Good Resurrection Lord's Day, Calvary Bible Church. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray to our living Savior. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that the cross is empty. We thank you that the tomb is empty. We praise you that after resurrecting, you ascended back to your Father's right hand and you intercede in prayer for each of us from that hallowed place. We thank you, Lord Jesus, as our risen Savior and head of the church, that one day you'll be coming for your body and bride to catch us up into Earth's atmosphere and to allow us to thus forever be with you. We pray that as we come to passages of Scripture that tell us about your resurrection, that we would find comfort, the comfort we need at all times, but especially at this Resurrection Lord's Day of the year 2020. Comfort us by the fact that you are alive, Lord Jesus. Be glorified in these moments. And we pray this in your holy name, amen, amen. He is risen, he is risen indeed. Jesus said the following, after a little while, while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. The Lord also said in John 14, one through three, that we know and love, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And our Lord Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you so that you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And the Apostle Paul, later on in the New Testament, said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 53 to 57, for this perishable must put on the imperishable, And this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, we find ourselves in a time when we especially need God's comfort. And we need to see that in a wonderful way, a permanent way, an everlasting way, that the comfort we need comes to us in the miracle of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, rising from the dead. COVID-19, sad to report that as of now, 73,000 souls have slipped into eternity due to it worldwide. Sad to report that in our own Commonwealth of the Bahamas, five souls have slipped into eternity. And then we have other things for which we need comfort, other than COVID-19. I want you to pause and think in your mind of the funerals you've attended 
since last Easter for family, for friends. I want you to think about persons you are aware of who since last Resurrection Lord's Day last year have had terminal illness diagnoses which are within your circle of friends and perhaps even family. There is no doubt that Resurrection Lord's Day 2020 is a time when we all need comfort. We need a sense that it will all be okay. A confidence that our sins are forgiven. A certain hope that heaven is our true home after rapture or after death. We all need the comfort of a biblical reminder of the historical truth of our Lord and Savior's bodily resurrection from the dead. We also need reminding that Satan and death are defeated. The Lord Jesus Christ is one, and because he is one, we are winners, even and especially when it comes our respective times to die. We need to believe at this time that to die for us is gain. This comfort which grips us as much as it is a comfort to which we grip. We need hopeful confidence and comfort that whenever our time comes, because we are believers in the Lord Jesus for salvation, we will go to be with him in heaven. As believers, we need and we have comfort that we go from the land of the dying to the land of the living. Because Christ lives after his death, we who love and trust and follow and serve him have comfort. I have six points in this 2020 Easter sermon, and they're all about the kinds of comfort which are ours in Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead. And so let's get started with the first point. Christ's resurrection is a personal comfort. Christ's resurrection is a personal comfort. In the account of the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 8, this is what we read. Hear the word of God. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together and the other disciple ran faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb. And when he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself, 
So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered and he saw and believed. Christ's resurrection is personal comfort. It was for the Apostle John in the account I've just read. I love the fact that it came down to, for the Apostle John, the empty tomb. It came down to seeing that and coming to a personal comfort. The text says, and he saw and believed. You know, John couldn't and didn't believe in Christ's resurrection for Peter. And Peter couldn't and didn't believe in Christ's resurrection for John. John's personal faith brought him to a personal comfort in the risen Christ. I love that. And you can and must have that kind of a personal faith in the risen Lord Jesus Christ, which will bear the good fruit in your life of personal comfort in our days with COVID-19. And so in the first place, Christ's resurrection is personal comfort, but additionally, Christ's resurrection is a private comfort. We read in John 20, the same chapter, uh, verses nine and 10, the following. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead, so watch this, that so the disciples went away again to their own homes. Not only is Christ's resurrection a personal comfort, but Christ's resurrection is a private comfort. It says they both went to their own homes. And in private, in those homes, they took comforting encouragement, the fact that the Savior was alive. <laughs> you know, you and I spend a lot of time these days in the privacy of our homes, right? We have to. We've been told to. In fact, we've been ordered to. We are homebodies. And in verse 10 of John 20, it indicates that the apostles, John and Peter, left the empty tomb to go to their own homes. And there, in each of those homes, each of them enjoyed a private comfort of Jesus being alive from the dead. When you are alone at home, take comfort in your risen Savior. When you fall asleep for the night in your house, when you eat your meals inside your house, when you read your Bible in your house, when you pray in your house, when you worship in your house, when you sweep your house, when you prepare and eat your meals, when you talk to others inside your house on the phone to pray and to encourage. Yes, indeed. Jesus lives after dying. Yes, Jesus is alive to hear your prayers. Yes, Jesus is alive even to pray for you. Yes, Jesus living after being dead, assures you that your sins are forgiven. It ensures that Satan is defeated and Jesus' resurrected body is the prototype of your future resurrected body. And yes, Jesus Christ is never to die again. 
Oh, yes, for sure, there is personal comfort and there is private comfort in Christ's resurrection. But there is a third point. Christ's resurrection is a public comfort. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 7, the following, For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Christ's resurrection is a public comfort. The risen Savior did not just appear to Peter and he did not just appear to the 12, but the risen Lord Jesus even appeared to a group of 500 persons. Jesus Christ's resurrection was a wonderful comfort to plenty of persons in public places. I think of the difference that Jesus Christ's resurrection means to our church family and to the ministries of our church in public places. Were it not for Jesus Christ's resurrection, I do not know that we would do operation in as much feeding ministry or door-to-door witnessing from time to time or street preaching, which I understand is a wonderful activity in the past history of our church, probably one that should be resurrected, or open-air worship services. Without the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, I doubt that churches would do outdoor Christian concerts or musicals, etc. Let's review. Christ's resurrection is a personal and a private and a public comfort, but there's more. The fourth point, Christ's resurrection is a proclaimed comfort. It was a proclaimed comfort in the New Testament times. It is still a proclaimed comfort in 2020, and it will be a proclaimed comfort until the door closes on the possibility of salvation at the great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20. When I think about Christ's resurrection being a proclaimed comfort, I think of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost as found in Acts chapter 2. He said, Many of Israel listened to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered over to the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed by the hands of godless men to put him to death. But God, some of the best words of scripture, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it is impossible for him to be held in its power. The resurrection was proclaimed by Peter in his sermon on the day of Pentecost. And then skipping down to verses three, chapter three, rather, verses 12 and 15. Well, let me go back to Peter's sermon at Pentecost. A couple more segments. This is Acts 2. This God raised up again, 
to which we are all witnesses, therefore having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured forth, has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Peter included the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead in his proclamation at his sermon on the occasion of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given to the church. On another sermon that Peter preached sometime after the day of Pentecost. We read about it in Acts chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. The, res- the resurrection was proclaimed in that sermon too. Peter said, but Peter, when he saw this, he replied to the people, here's a quote, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this or why do you gaze at us? As if by our own power or piety, we had made him walk. They had just healed a lame man. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life. Now watch. The one whom God raised from the dead. A fact to which we are all witnesses. Yes, the proclamation of the comfort in Christ's resurrection were in the first two sermons that Peter preached after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to the Father. But as you go further into Acts, you see that all of the apostles' witness included the resurrection of Christ. Acts 4, verse 33, for example. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony, watch, to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. Yes, the apostles preached the resurrection, and in fact, the resurrection of Christ was proclaimed when there were accusers of the apostles telling them basically to shut up about Jesus. And we read in in Acts 5, 27 to 32, 31, sorry, the following. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council, that is the apostles. The high priest questioned them saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the other apostles answered, quote, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers, watch, raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. When they tried to shut up the apostles, they came back in their sermon and defense to the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ Resurrection is a proclaimed comfort. And then one more example. Later in the book of Acts, Peter preached again. In Acts 10, 38 to 41, listen. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the, in the land of the Jews 
and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. Here it is. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he became visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Yes, the comfort of the bodily resurrection of Christ from the dead was proclaimed. This very moment is being proclaimed and will be proclaimed until the door of opportunity for salvation is closed by God when the great white throne judgment occurs in Revelation chapter 20. And so I was thinking about this and it would be a federal, indeed a global crime against all of humanity if a cure for COVID-19 would be discovered and then not publicized and shared as fast as possible around the world. But I am here to tell you that it is an eternal crime against God and against sinners if the children of God like us know the cure for sin and we do not proclaim the gospel that Christ has died for sins and arisen from the dead as far and as wide as is possible. To review four points so far. Christ's resurrection is a personal and a private and a public and a proclaimed comfort. Our fifth point, Christ's resurrection is a polarizing comfort. A polarizing comfort. When you pour oil into water, those things are polarized. They separate. They don't mix. They remain unto themselves. It's really time for us to face it if we haven't. Jesus Christ and his cross and his resurrection from the dead either makes a person glad or mad. There's very little neutral ground about the cross and the resurrection. People who hear about it are either so glad or they are so mad. The cross and the resurrection of Christ from the dead are polarizing. The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead polarizes in many different levels. Believers from unbelievers, sometimes husbands from wives, sometimes parents from children or grandparents from grandchildren, certainly conservative churches and liberal churches. And Christ's resurrection from the dead polarizes conservative denominations and liberal denominations. So let's not be naive. Christ's resurrection is a polarizing comfort. Sounds a little paradoxical that it could be polarizing and a comfort, but it is. Christ's resurrection either comforts a person who believes in it or annoys a person who rejects it. It is said of the Apostle Paul that wherever he went, there was either revival or riot. And often the riots that took place were resurrection controversy driven. 
Often the riots that Paul was a part of was when he preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and persons who did not believe in it were offended and a riot ensued. A couple of examples. When Paul was in Thessalonica, listen to what happened, Acts 17, two to five. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them in the scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer, watch, rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the women from the marketplace formed a mob. The women formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacking the house of Jason, they were speaking and seeking to bring them out to the people. Even women who rejected the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead incited a riot. They mobilized a mob to try to bring the apostles out into the open so they could be beaten and maybe killed. And then when Paul went to Athens, the same kind of thing happened. In Acts 17, skipping down to verses 15 to 18. Now those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they left. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him and he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? The Greek there for idle babbler means this hayseed, this hick, this uneducated, backwater, unsophisticated person. What would he have to say? Going back to the text, others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus. Watch now, he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. You do know that back then there was no philosophical religion that held forth a resurrection and still today, a bodily resurrection is the distinguishing, one of the distinguishing characteristics of biblical Christianity. Buddha never claimed to rise from the dead. Muhammad never claimed to rise from the dead. Only Jesus Christ not only claimed, but actually rose from the dead. Going back to the text. And they took him, Paul, and brought him into the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming? So they invited him into their philosophical world and entertained him at least once on what he was saying about the cross and the empty tomb of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But lest we forget what we're doing with these examples, we're showing that the Christ's resurrection is a polarizing comfort. Paul, wherever he went, there was either revival or riot. And Christ's resurrection even splits so-called religious persons. In Acts 23, verses 6 to 10, 
Paul went before the Sanhedrin, a high legislative body of the Jews, 70 rich men, the Sanhedrin, Jews, leaders. And this is what we read happened in Acts 23, 6 to 10. Listen for him preaching the resurrection of Christ from the dead. But perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, Paul began crying out in the council, Brethren, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees, and I'm on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. You see, the Sadducees didn't believe in bodily resurrection. The Pharisees did. So the dividing point in that gathering of Jewish leaders, and Paul made it the point, is the, was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Going on. And he said this, and there occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And there occurred a great uproar because Christ's resurrection from the dead is a polarizing comfort. And there occurred a great uproar, and some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, we find nothing wrong with this man. Suppose a spirit or an angel has spoken to him. So, so they kind of rubbed it in the uh, Sadducees' eyes and face, talking about, well, not only are we going to talk about resurrection, we're going to talk about angels, and we're going to talk about um, spirits. <laughs> And as a great dissension was developing, the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them and order the troops to go down, take him away from them by force and bring them into him into the barracks. And so this Christ, his resurrection is a polarizing comfort. I've told you many times that my father, pushing 87 years old, praise the Lord for health, has been a funeral director before retirement for over 50 years. You could say my father has seen it all, and some of it more than once. He has seen the polarizing nature of Christ's resurrection in living color and in many different ways beside many open graves. Daddy has witnessed faith and fistfights, hymns and hatred, Nearness to the risen Christ and absolutely no family or friends standing by that open grave of the deceased. My daddy has witnessed resurrection scriptures being read and he's also witnessed angry rejection of all things supernatural. He's heard we've got determined hope, but he's also heard he's dead like a snapper. No afterlife. Dead like a snapperfish dies. No heaven. No afterlife. My dad at those open graves has seen the polarizing effect of Jesus Christ's resurrection in that he's seen persons looking and seeing a living Lord and others looking and settling for an evolutionary theory. My dad has seen comfort in Christ being alive and crushing in the whole attitude and belief, this is all that there is. So let's review. When it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead, there's comfort in many levels. 
We ought to take personal comfort from it. We ought to take private comfort from it. We ought to take public comfort from it. We ought to proclaim this comfort to as many persons as we can. And we need to understand that it's a polarizing comfort. I have one more point. It's a sixth point. Christ's resurrection is powerful comfort. Listen to three amazing, startling verses in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, watch, which he brought about in Christ, watch, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Those three amazing verses, believer, are telling you and me that the same identical power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead is operative in your Christian life and in mine. (laughs) The same identical power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead is operative working in your Christian life. You know, my brother or my sister, that resurrection power is way more power than nuclear power. That's the kind of power, in fact, we are all desperately needing in this pandemic. The resurrection power to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. The resurrection power to rise above self. Rise above self in one's marriage. Rise above self with one's kids. Rise above oneself in how we use freed up time. That same resurrection power is what we need in this pandemic to live beyond our own little worlds, to care for others who are around us. The same resurrection power we can have and we need to have to have the fruit of the Spirit rather than the deeds of our flesh show up in our daily living. The same resurrection power to stay on track, working, or studying remotely from our computers. The same kind of resurrection power just to keep on preserving each day with all of the uncertainties that are in our unexpected and brand new routines. God sent his son. He called him Jesus. He came to love heal and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth a living just because he lives. I want to share One more thing with you. We get our English word cemetery 
from an ancient Greek word, koimeterion. A koimeterion was a bedroom, a resting place, an inn like Mary and Joseph encountered that had no room in Bethlehem. A koimeterion, we might say, is a hotel. The next time you're standing by the open grave of a believer in Christ in the cemetery, I want you to remember something. We don't get desperate when a loved one is staying in a hotel. That's because we know that they're soon on their way home. After the hotel. The body of a believer rests until resurrection. The expression that we often state is that may he or she rest in peace. And the resting place for the believer's body is the hotel called the cemetery, the koi materion. A hotel is not a home. And the complete story of what we say ought to be, may he or she rest in peace and rise in glory. Christ's resurrection is our comfort. It's our endless hope instead of our hopeless end. Christ's resurrection is our personal comfort, our private comfort, our public comfort, our proclaimed comfort, our polarizing comfort, and our powerful comfort. One day, the grave could conceal them no longer. One day, the stone rolled away from the door. Then he rose over death he had conquered. Now is ascended, my Lord, evermore. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. <laughs>